Who is the largest knight at the round table? Uh, I don't know. Sir Carbs a lot? Circumference. Okay. How did he get so big? He ate too much pie. Okay. Great. <laughs> Excellent. Glad we stopped down for that in a time-sensitive process. <laughs> Welcome to Such Small Portions, the homestyle Jewish food podcast where we cook together and try not to chew on the mic while we talk about it. I'm Jordan Tepper, Chief Confectionery Officer of East Tasty Candy Company. And I'm Wes Scoggins, Chef and Owner of the Jewish Cowboy Food Truck. Please remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It just takes a minute and it really helps. You can now email us at suchsmallportionspod at gmail.com. We're even on Instagram at such small portions pod. And today we're making everything bagels. Let's move into a little bit of history of the bagel. Bagels themselves are Polish in origin and dating to the 1600s, but similar breads can be found as far back as the 13th century in Syria. But I want to get to the whole of the matter. <laughs> Let's talk about why bagels have holes in them and how that actually helps in the marketplace. Breads with holes on them were usually made that way to make it easier to transport and sell them. Historically, they would be either strung up or put on sticks and it would make it easy to kind of store them and pull them down and sell them to customers. That means it was basically street food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bagels were very much street food, especially a lot of the Jewish immigrants that moved here in the early waves of immigration were often poor, living in tenement buildings without good kitchens, and bagels were an easy-to-grab street food. You could uh, eat it on the go. It didn't have to be cooked. You could eat it without additional cooking and with, with uncooked toppings on it. And so it was very attractive for the immigrant community that brought it with them. Let's talk more about eating them on the go. What do you think that they had toppings for at that time? As far as New York, traditional New York bagels are concerned, lox has been, uh, and salted fish have been really common ingredients for a really long time. Cream cheese is very modern because that was not a historic cheese. That was a newer kind of industrialized cheese that everyone embraced because of how easy it was to use on there. But as far as traditional toppings for New York bagels, fish goes back a long time. Butter, when it was available, would absolutely be be used. There's a, a lot to churn out here, especially <laughs> if we're talking about butter and cream cheese. And in a little bit of bagel research, I found that bagels and lox with capers and red onion became a popular New York institution in the early 1900s. And speaking of cream cheese, here in America, in modern times, you can have the cream cheese spread, or as Adam, our producer, calls it, the brick. What do you prefer? Oh, definitely the brick. <laughs> Something that a lot of people may not know is a lot of bagel shops will 
take those bricks of cheese and they will adjust them in shop. So often they might be adding extra cream to it and a lot of people will whip it. Some people I've even seen add seltzer water to help add bubbles to it. So a lot of what we're trying to replicate with the little whipped guy, the shops are often trying to trying to do that for you. And I just think that like the brick is much more versatile. I can use it for cooking or I can break it off and just let it sit and get room temperature and whip it myself. There's no reason to pay extra for that. Whip it good. Now, light cream cheese. I try to stay away from everything that has to do with being light. What do you think? Is it a sin against nature? Is it yucky? Or is it the most delicious thing that you've ever had in your life? Bagels already aren't health food. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that uh, is also related to the modern obsession with the sourdough bagel and uh, whole grain bagels. Wes, as long as we're talking about variations of bagels... Let's talk about sweet and savory bagels and then also sweet and savory cream cheeses. In my house, this is a really big conversation always, is we believe that the sweet bagels and sweet cream cheeses are for uh, children and Gentiles. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. For the young, young at heart and the non-Semitic peoples. I think that there's absolutely a place for it. I don't think anything should be absolutely chained to tradition. And uh, if it keeps a bagel shop afloat and keeps them, their head above water, great. You know, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> people should have be able to have a uh, a chocolate chip bagel with a birthday cake schmear. Me finding that disgusting doesn't factor into it. You know, as they say, the customer is always right in matters of taste. Okay, moving on. I want to talk about uh, another contentious part of a bagel, and that is toasting a bagel. Oh, yeah. What do you think? My feelings about toasted bagels is that friends don't let friends toast fresh bagels. Yeah, no, a fresh bagel should be eaten fresh. Uh, Not toasted. No, no, absolutely not. It's already got everything you need a frozen bagel a store-bought bagel or an old bagel i think that that is totally acceptable you know warming it up brings it back to life sure so an old bagel being like a day old Uh, yeah a day old fresh bagel anything after a day is not fresh so i'm glad that you brought up frozen bagels too and growing up, I was raised on Lenders bagels, yeah, which are it, the classic frozen bagel. Yeah, which I, I think a lot of people were. Store-bought and frozen bagels, I think, are most people's experience with bagels because most people do not live in one of the uh, coastal urban centers where there are great bagel shops. And I think that we're lucky here in Nashville that there are a lot of bagel shops yeah a lot of bagel shops a lot of diversity of bagel types and if you have a favorite bagel shop in your town let us know about it send us an email to such small portions pod at gmail.com or leave a comment in our instagram uh, at such small portions pod right now we're going to talk about our recipe for today is from claire savitz from the new york times 
and uh, let's adjourn to the kitchen and boil some bagels. So we're here with Adam, and we are two-thirds of the Such Small Portions crew. Today, Adam is going to go through with us his bagel recipe. It's, it's my recipe by way of Claire Saffitz from, from the New York Times, but uh, this is what I make at home. These are great bagels to uh, serve to guests, keep in the freezer. You know, they, they freeze really well if you slice them and wrap them individually. Uh, they keep for about three months. Yeah, we're going to do a half recipe today, so what you see on the website will be double this, but I've pre-measured out a half recipe because uh, we are a small crew. So these are, these are going to be like better than Lenders bagels, right? Yeah, no, Lenders go in the garbage. <laughs> lenders are not keepers. So we're going to start with uh, one and one-eighth cups of water that I'm just going to warm up on the stove. And again, it's the, the measurement that you're doing, this is for this half amount, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is for a half recipe. Okay. And I'm just just warming it a little bit uh, to about 100 degrees. Okay. Uh, it, can you explain what we're doing for this first part? Because this is a two-part process. So we're going to mix our ingredients first, then we're going to do a short rest, and then we're going to shape the dough, and then rest it in the fridge overnight to, uh, to ferment. And then we'll come back tomorrow and take those shaped bagels and we'll boil them and then bake them. Awesome. Can you explain the reasoning why it needs to rest? So this is a yeast recipe. Uh, and we're using barley malt syrup uh, as our sugar to feed the yeast. And you gotta give that yeast time to feed on the sugar and then expel gas, uh, which is going to leaven your dough. So here I'm just gonna pour uh, a little bit of the water into our uh, first mixing bowl. Okay, so we're putting the water into a, just a small glass mixing bowl. Yeah. Yep, it's a non-reactive glass mixing bowl. And I'm actually gonna let that cool off for just a second because I uh, heated it just a, a little over 100 degrees and we don't wanna kill the yeast. So the, the yeast eats the, the sugar. Yeast lives off the sugar. They eat it and then um, what was left off of them is carbon dioxide. Yes, correct. And the carbon dioxide gas produced by the yeast expands the dough as it's trapped within the dough's protein mix. And bada boom, bada bing, you have... This is cheating. You're just Googling how yeast works and then reading it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Because <laughs> thank you, Google. <laughs> just like the rest of us, we, uh, when we're, we, we want to eat something, we can't find it, and then we decide to make it ourselves. How did you just start making bagels? Like, what was your inspiration? Like a lot of people during the pandemic, I just, you know, I was inside a lot, kind of wanted a hobby, started making sourdough bread, just like everybody else. Uh, as part of that journey, found Claire Saffitz, uh, who was then at Bon Appetit and is now uh, an independent baking guru, and really sort of fell in love with her style of instruction, and the recipes that she chooses, and I bought both of her books, and 
uh, one of the recipes that she had shared uh, with the New York Times is her bagel recipe. And I just came to love it. I'm a big fan of what I call magic trick foods, foods that don't feel like you should be able to make them at home. So I think bagels are a magic trick food. I think pizza is a magic trick food. Croissants are a magic trick food. Wes is our pizza magician. Yes. Wes can, would uh, talk to you forever and a day for uh, about pizza dough. Indeed. So uh, I'm gonna get a spoon and I'm gonna stir in some barley malt syrup with this water. And this is going to lightly sweeten it and feed the yeast as well. If someone doesn't have barley malt, can they uh, use something different? Yeah, you can sub in uh, molasses uh, or, you know, even sugar water. Uh, but barley malt syrup is a, you know, it's a great, it's a great ingredient uh, for baking. You can buy it on uh, Amazon. Uh, you can usually find it at a health food store. It just gives a great flavor to your bagels, and you'll use it in the boiling process as well. And here I've got one and one-eighth grams of active dry yeast. Okay. And uh, just for everyone to know, we will have pictures and video of this on the Instagram page, Such Small Portions in uh, Pod, uh, so you can see what it all looks like. Yep. What's the next process? Uh, we're going to give this yeast uh, five minutes to bloom, which you should see it kind of cloud the water. When that's done, we'll start mixing the dry ingredients. Okay, so I'm going to set a timer for five minutes. Great. So you can see it uh, starting to dissolve a bit. You can see the watercolor lightening a little bit with the, with the yeast dissolving. And I, I have to say, it, it does smell like bread. Yeah. Okay, so while that's blooming, uh, I'm going to take uh, my pre-measured 443 grams of, uh, of flour, and I'm using uh, Justo's Ultimate Performer flour. That's my favorite kind of flour. It's got extra protein in it, which helps develop the gluten that you want in your bagels, and it gives it a really a really nice chewy texture. Take a look at this, you can see the yeast blooming and expanding. It kind of smells like like beer. Yeah. It, it really does smell like beer. Yeah, well, you know, you use barley in beer and we're using barley malt syrup. Right. If people aren't able to find the flour that has the high protein that you were just, can, uh, just named, can they use all-purpose flour? You can use all-purpose, although I recommend getting uh, bread flour, and you can get King Arthur bread flour, gold medal bread flour. Um, I think Bob's Red Mill uh, unbleached artisan bread flour, which they have in a lot of supermarkets, is, is a great store brand. Justo's, unless you're at a baking specialty store, you do have to order it, but I do think it's great if you do a lot of bread baking. Adam, can you give a little recap of what we did and what we're going to do? We mixed our ingredients made kind of a tight dough ball, floured that, put it covered in a bowl uh, for two hours, and now I'm gonna take out the dough. You can see the dough has doubled in size. The dough is huge. And first thing I'm gonna do is 
separate that from the bowl, and I'm going to weigh out our dough just to see what our full finished weight is. And you're weighing it out in grams? Yep. So we have 700-odd grams of, uh, of dough there. And so that kind of makes it easy. We're just going to do 100-gram bagels. And if you want to just put some hands on that and feel the, the texture of it, maybe you want to give a description of it. Yeah, it's very smooth. It's soft, uh, almost velvet-like in texture. Um, and you are... Uh, and it does smell uh, like bread, uh, and it's just the dough. I can't wait to uh, to smell this in the oven tomorrow. Yep. So then we're gonna start just uh, portioning this out. What is a proper way to portion? You can use a bench scraper to just cut portions. You'll you'll get good at doing it by eye. I usually do uh, about 110 gram portions, but since we have such a a nice even number will do seven 100 gram portions and you just okay, so you know you cut it with the with the bench scraper um, and then give it a quick weigh. okay I was close that's 105 grams so I'm just gonna cut a little corner off of it what you'll do with each of these pieces is you make it into a kind of loose ball and then using your uh, using one hand in kind of a claw shape you uh, roll it in circles on the uh, on the bench, and you get kind of a tight ball with a little bit of tension across the top. And we're gonna set each of those aside as we finish them. And the more often you do this, you'll get good at just kind of eyeballing the uh, individual portions. What happens if a portion is too light, or like too much, or too uh, too little? It'll bake at a different speed than the rest of uh, the portion. So you just, you want to get them as even as you can for even baking. Okay, and again, on this cutting surface, we did not put any extra flour. It looks like the dough is not really sticking to anything. Yeah, it's got enough, uh, enough of a kind of glossy surface to it that it's not going to stick at this point. All right, so now I've got these seven uh, pieces of dough. Then I'm gonna take my uh, kitchen towel that I used before, re-wet it just a little bit, uh, and squeeze it back out. How come you wanted to wet the, the kitchen towel? Because uh, you don't want the dough to dry out. So, okay. so you're, just, you're just making sure that the environment that the dough is in stays sort of moist. Now that we've formed those dough balls, we're just gonna let them rest for about five minutes just so the dough doesn't fight us when we start rolling out the uh the or when we start making the bagel shapes and are we letting it set again because we disrupt disrupted it or yeah we've stretched it out a little bit in making those the tight dough balls on the counter we want it to relax a little bit before we continue working with it okay so we're going to set a timer for five minutes so now I'm taking a piece of parchment paper and folding it to fit the, uh, the baking pan that we're gonna use. And I like these USA pan half sheet pans that you can buy that have a, uh, an acrylic cover. It's great for resting food in the refrigerator so you don't end up with uh, cellophane touching the top of your food, which can then stick to it. 
So we've got a sheet of uh, parchment paper laid out, and then we're gonna take just a very little bit of oil, brush it on the parchment paper so that the bagels won't stick. If uh, people don't have parchment paper for this, uh, could they put the bagels directly on the pan? Sure. It's, it's gonna make cleanup a lot easier though if you have them on the parchment paper. And what if they don't have vegetable oil? Would any other oil be a good substitute? Uh, as long as it's neutral in flavor. I wouldn't use olive oil. Okay. So it's not necessarily for the fat in the oil, it's just for non-stick. It's for non-stick and uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you can see I'm just painting on the thinnest layer. It's just to make sure that we're not gonna stick to the, uh, to the surface. Yes, I, I believe you put on pro probably about a teaspoon of oil on the pan. Yeah, just a couple drops is all yeah. you need. Adam, we have just weighed out our pieces of dough and they have been covered by a wet towel for about five minutes. Yep. What now? Okay, so now we're going to uh, make some bagels and we'll try two different methods. One is a more traditional method where we'll string out uh, one of these balls into kind of a rope and then roll in our hands to join the two ends uh, and make a bagel that way. And then we'll try a slightly easier method where you just put your thumb and forefinger uh, on the center of the dough on the top and bottom and punch a hole through and then kind of work the hole, you know, with your fingers. Which way are we going to try first? First, we're gonna do just the kind of traditional way of you start rolling the dough in between your hands and then you put it on your bench and you start rolling it and you work from the middle of the uh, dough ball outward uh, until you get a nice string, uh, probably about nine or 10 inches long. And you want it to be thinner at the ends because that's where you're going to join it. So you don't, you don't want it, you don't want a big thick piece uh, in your bagel. So then you wrap it around your hand. You see the two kind of thin pieces join there, and then you give it a couple of rolls to kind of seal that that connection. And then it goes on your oiled uh, parchment paper. All right. So this is kind of the more traditional forming method. I'm going to take the dough ball start it rolling in between my hands, uh, and then start working it from the middle out on the, uh, on the work surface here. It looks like you're making a snake. Yeah, you want a snake that's tapered at each end. Are you and watching out for any air bubbles? No, uh, I, like a, I like a bubble or two in my bagels. Okay. And so then you have the two ends there. Okay. And then you kind of give them a, a little ceiling roll and does it matter how large the hole is uh it doesn't although i like a sort of thinner bagel with a larger hole because they will puff up a little bit overnight so the next thing we're going to try is the kind of simpler punch through method where you just you take your thumb and a finger and okay. you've sort of made a hole there and then you kind of work the dough outward. So you punch a hole through the middle with your thumb and your forefinger. Yep. And, and then you sort of stretch it out to, uh, to your desired size. You sometimes get a, a neater 
uh, circle that way, but it feels like sort of a Shonda to me. <laughs> okay, so you're going back to your rolling out method? Yeah, this is the way I do it at home. But uh, it's definitely, you know, if you're not feeling 100% about your dough rolling, uh, you, can, you can do the punch-through method and, you know, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> and I like them a little bit irregular, too. You can tell it was done by hand. I'm curious to see how, after these are baked, how the one uh, punch method is going to come out. It'll absolutely end up the prettiest one, but uh, it just doesn't quite feel right to me. We're not looking for pretty bagels. We're looking for tasty bagels. Yeah. All right, so we've got those all on the parchment paper. You can see that I have a little, uh, little ramekin of water on the baking sheet. That's because we're going to cover it with this acrylic top. Like I said, I like these USA Pan uh, half sheets that, that come with an acrylic top because it's great for resting your food and not having cellophane touch it. The little ramekin of water is going to keep it moist inside so that these don't dry out while they're rising. With where we put these on the pan, are these, is this how we're going to put it in the oven? Does it matter where it goes in the pan? No, it doesn't because we're just gonna let them rise and then tomorrow we're going to, uh, tomorrow we're going to boil and then bake them. So okay. this is just, you just space them out with a little bit of room between them and uh, you should be all right. So is this part of the baking process called the proofing? Yeah. Okay. And we are back. Welcome back, Wes. I'm glad to be back. The Jewish cowboy has ridden into the kitchen. <laughs> Yeehaw. And, okay, Wes, uh, while you were enjoying some great time with your family, uh, Adam, Adam and I were in the kitchen. We have prepared our bagels and they have sat in the fridge overnight and they look beautiful. They look great. Now, we are prepping to start to boil our bagels and Wes, um, how did we prep our water? Yeah, so we have our water over here. It is uh, uh, set to boil and we have added some barley malt syrup. That is a traditional additive to the water because as you know, traditionally bagels get boiled uh, before they get baked. And what does the barley malt do to the bagel in flavor and texture wise? The, the boiling process gels the outer uh, starches on the bagel and it creates the distinctive crust that a bagel has that is so different from a traditional bread. Um, the barley malt adds some color and some sweet flavor to that outer edge and it's an essential uh, traditional ingredient. So we want our bagels kind of uh, crusty on the outside, have a nice little knock on them, and then we want them to uh, be soft and fluffy on the inside. Wes has wet his hands a little bit so the bagels aren't sticking onto his hands. And he's putting it into the rolling boil of water. We say two minutes on each side? One minute each side. One minute on each side. And no more than uh, two or three bagels for a pot this big? 
we have a large pot, but you don't want to crowd them. Okay, so you are flipping those, and it's very easy to tell what side has been cooked, has been boiled, and what hasn't. And you can actually see some of that barley malt uh, on the surface of the bagel. Yeah, it, it, at this stage, it almost has like a donut, baked donut kind of a, a color. And it smells really good. To take the bagels out, uh, Wes is using a, what would you call that, Wes? A spider. A spider. And if uh, you don't have a spider, uh, you can use a slotted spoon as well. Okay, well, Wes is uh, putting some more bagels in. I am uh, putting some fresh uh, everything bagel seasoning that our producer, Adam, has made for us. Thank you, Adam. In this uh, everything bagel seasoning, it looks like it's sesame seeds, poppy seeds, caraway seeds, and salt. So while uh, we still have some more bagels uh, in the boil, remember these are, we did a half recipe, made seven bagels. And from, you can also see, Wes, that the bagels have popped up and risen even from the, the boiling. Yeah. And traditionally bagels, uh, after the setting process, they will not rise very much in, in the oven itself during the actual bake. Okay, so you would, uh, when you're putting them on the cookie sheet, the baking sheet, you know that that's gonna be the size of the bagel itself. Let's get these in the oven. They're uh, done getting seasoned, thanks to Jordan. And we have preheated the oven to 450 degrees. And we are gonna put them in the oven for 20 to 25 minutes. Wes, let's give a taste to this bagel. Yes, please. I have one of the top pieces. I have a bottom. Mmm. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. Yes, this is... And I'm not just saying this because I made it. I, even though I am my own best critic. It's not too chewy. No. It, it's not hurting my jaw to go through. That outer crust is perfect. And on the bottom, did you notice that there is a little bit of browning, a little bit of darkening on the bottom? Yes. That is because that's from the oil on the the sheet when we yeah. before we put it in and I think that that really gives it a texture and flavor and character. It's so great. Like, just the right amount of chewiness. That's a really good. Great flavor. Great. And I can taste still some of the the malt. Oh, yeah. That we put in the water. And I don't think that's too doughy either. No, no, not at all. And I think that is one of the big, like, criticisms when you're talking about the evolution of the American bagel in contrast to where it came from is that like to adapt to American uh, tastes they tended to get softer doughier and thicker and I think that this is a the perfect thickness absolutely only using a hundred grams of dough I think uh, was the sweet spot now would you make these at home for your family for like brunch absolutely I think bagels are all things considered, I think a pretty easy to do like weekend food. I agree. I think that if there's some planning, at least in, in my household, I have 
two small kids. We have a busy lifestyle. I think that if I did some planning, I would definitely be able to to make something like this. But if it's just spur of the moment, I probably will leave it up to professionals. Wes, I want to move into a few controversies that uh, I always come to in conversation when I'm getting bagels. Uh, one, it is the the schmear. This, the amount of schmear that you get on your bagels. Do you think that the tip, like when I go to a, a bagel shop, I feel that I get like enough schmear on a bagel for three bagels. Do you feel that that's even necessary? I feel it's always way better to overshoot than to under undershoot. If somebody is does not have enough cream cheese on their bagel, they're going to be unhappy. If somebody has too much cream cheese on the side, you know, giving you that choice of how much to add and you don't have to keep on going like can I just have a little bit more cream cheese? Uh just a little bit more. Uh a little bit more. I I think removing that tedium and just like, okay, here just it's way too much you figure it out wow you really changed my mind on that one (laughs) (laughs) here i am kvetching about it and you're like here's why they do it they're doing it for you and so stop your kvetching (laughs) like okay yeah i totally get that yeah something else that's becoming controversial not for me but on the internet is the is scooping out your bagels personally i i like a full bagel i'm not going to scoop that uh, I, I don't think that's controversial. Uh, it just shouldn't be done. It's as simple as that. Uh, there, there, There is no controversy. The people doing it are just simply wrong. So if you go to a bagel shop and you ask for it to be scooped out and you get yelled at, it is your own fault. Yes. It is like going to an Italian restaurant and asking them to cut the spaghetti in half. What is wrong with you? What would possess you to do that? Just don't do it. Don't break your spaghetti. Don't. Go to a New York deli and not expect to get yelled at by a New Yorker. They're being nice to you by yelling at you. They're saving you the pleasure of eating a fantastic bagel. Yeah, and like you're removing the experience. You're just left with the crust. The interplay between the crispy crust and the chewy inside is the whole point. And again, this is not health food this is just food if you want less bagel just eat half your bagel it's as simple as that eat half your bagel save the other half for later yeah i mean so the moral of the story that wes is trying to get to is eat your food enjoy the food the way that it's supposed to be eaten yeah now i do want to put a few tasting notes into your uh into the food here um one thing that adam wanted to remind everyone of when you are making your everything bagel seasoning, is to use pretzel salt. Yes. No, I I, I totally get that. Nice, uh, uh, chunky chunks of salt that isn't too uh, too hard, breaks up nicely, has a great mouthfeel. And I, I think it's uh, really fascinating that pretzel salt works so well for this because pretzels are a a potentially distant relative of bagel. I can see that. It's like a crusty outside and a, um, a, a soft inside. Yeah. You definitely see that. They go through a similar boiling and baking process. Also, one thing that Adam wanted to talk more about the everything bagel seasoning is in his seasoning, it doesn't have onion. And when I asked him about this, he said the onion 
it could kind of take away from the the flavor and people have um, sensitivities. And I am used to having a little bit of onion or, or garlic flavor in my everything bagel seasoning. And I have to say that um, not having it in there and having more caraway seeds is actually pretty pleasant. I like it. Oh, yeah. No, I like it a lot. Wes, this was so much fun for making bagels from scratch. I've never done this before. I want to thank so much for our producer, Adam Levin, for being our producer. Because this is his last episode, I really wanted to spotlight him in this. He loves so much, and that is baking. And Adam has been such a big part of this uh, podcast. Couldn't have done it without him. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Adam, for, for helping us out. If somebody wants to find us uh, in the podcast, how can they find us? Well, you can find me online at Jewish Cowboy Nashville, at Instagram, and the Jewish Cowboy Food Truck, which will be my new Instagram page focusing just on where the food truck is going to be. And we're so excited about that um, project for you. Maybe one day we'll be able to do the podcast from your food truck. Oh, I, I, I would love to do an uh, live from the field. And I'm Jordan Tepper. I'm East Tasty on Instagram. And the show is Such Small Portions Pod, just like our email, Such Small Portions Pod at gmail.com, where you can send us questions. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Such Small Portions Pod. Our producer is Adam Levin, and the show is executive produced by all three of us. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye now.